0: Welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your
1: hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate.
0: All right, before we get into this episode, just a reminder um, you can go to peopleofpackaging.com, get your free ebook from the sponsors of our third season, Doxalent, which is a packaging specification management company. It is so vitally important for you to be able to manage your packaging specifications and gain control over that. So, once again, go to peopleofpackaging.com. Also, some exciting news. In March of 2021, myself and a fellow podcast host, Avelio Matos, who's the host of Package Design Unboxed, we're going to be launching uh, daily packaging tips, and uh, that is going to be an email, uh, just an email subscription, where we will uh, put together uh, just really quick, uh, easy email, five minutes long and you can uh, get a whole bunch of news about the packaging industry. So uh, you can go to packaging.tips, P-A-C-K-A-G-I-N-G dot T-I-P-S to uh, sign up and get your daily dose of packaging tips. We're going to start curating and we will be coming to you in March. So with that being said, let's get to the interview with Todd Musling. All right, so I'm joined here by uh, a, let's see, I don't really know, do you remember, Todd, when we met at, was that, like, I was thinking back on this time when we used to go to trade shows. Do you remember that time? And you would set up these booths and people would show up.
1: There was a chapter in my life where trade shows were involved, but uh, that was so long ago. I, uh, I mean, this is where we live now, right?
0: I know. I know. It's uh like I I'm not to be totally candid. Um this is a safe place, right? This podcast and this conversation. So uh I I was not a fan of trade shows for most of my for all of my packaging life up until about 7 months ago when I was like I just want to go to a trade show. I want to be exhausted. I want to have crappy food. I want to be my feet are going to be sore. And I just want to go be with people in the industry. Like, I just want to see stuff and be with people. And that's when I realized, like, I am over COVID. That was like my moment when I decided, like, when I longed for Pack Expo <laughs> yeah. and and no, walking I, around Chicago.
1: Yeah, I, I hear you. I uh, and, and of course, I've been going to trade shows for, for years and years, but uh, the, the ones we attended virtually, and I think. I think most of the, the organizations that, that sponsored them and uh, presented them did as admirable a job as they could under the circumstances, right? I thought we did a, we saw a lot of great presentations, but when you come to the trade show, it's, it's about eating, the, you know standing in line and, and running into somebody you haven't seen in a year and, mm-hmm. and, and then walking down the aisle and seeing some bottle floating through the air and you stop to take a closer look and, and that, that was missing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, So for me, I'm, I, I'm, I'm look for, I look forward to getting back to them when we can do it and we can all feel safe about it. And um, I feel like it's, it's time.
0: And, and I got to do a, so it was funny is one of the first times that I've ever done like a video thing was with, was with you guys at your booth. And I got back and I listened to it and I actually went out and bought like some Bluetooth microphones because if you recall, it was just it's so loud at Pack Expo. Yeah. And um, so it was after that that I was like, I'm gonna do this again. And then I don't think I've been to a trade show <laughs> since. Uh, maybe I have. I think I went to Lux Pack in LA, but um, you know, anyway. Well, welcome to the podcast, Todd. Thanks
1: very much. Happy New Year.
0: Uh yeah, you as well, 2021. We're here and we're going to make it a better year than 2020, fingers crossed. So Uh, Todd, why don't you kind of introduce yourself to the people listening? We've got, I don't know, a few hundred packaging professionals from all across the globe. Uh, We're in over 50 countries now, I think, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, So uh, if you speak any other languages, you can share about that. Um, Uh, Guten Tag,
1: buongiorno, hola. uh, You know, that's that's about the limit of it. But uh, hello, everyone. I'm, I'm Todd Moisling. And I'm, uh, I'm the senior manager in market development for uh, Presto products company. Uh, and uh, my focus is uh, working with our, our Fresh Lock business unit. And uh, we, we uh, spend our time focusing on uh, flexible closures. So zippers and sliders uh, that, are, that are used in, in pouch making for a wide range of uh, industries and markets.
0: Awesome. Um so that's what you do, but we know that what you do isn't fully encompassing of who you are. So what uh you know what are where did you how did you get into this? How did you get into being the what was your title senior manager of market development is what is what your LinkedIn says with yeah. a with a, quite frankly a lovely banner uh behind you okay. with the with the zippers. So
1: well, I had a lot of help that. with that. Uh, my my LinkedIn uh, prowess is not as strong as others, but um, uh, it got me there. So I'm I'm appreciative of the people that support me. Very good. So on the packaging side, I, I think it's it, the journey I took was uh, you know why packaging and um, and I just kept on running into it um, when when I was in college, uh, uh, Indiana State University in Terre Haute, Indiana. Mm. And I didn't know anybody. And I, and I made a friend, uh, Tim Schoolman, who were still very good friends, but uh, you know, at that stage in your life, you're saying to people, well, what's your major? And, uh, and he would say, well, I'm packaging technology. And at at first I'm like, well, that's really cool. But then the more I got to know him, I finally stopped and I said, what the hell is that anyway? What what does that mean? And, and, uh, and, it, it was kind of hard for him to put it into words, but what we would do is as we spent time together, you know, we might come across a, a package that had a unique feature to it, the way it opened or something, how it was shaped. And he'd say, you see how they're doing that? And you see how they're doing this in this package? He goes, that's packaging. And and then, and that stuck, it kept on going. And so we would get examples of this and, and um, and I left there, and then um, shortly after, I was uh, looking for a job. Poor, and um, Bemis Company called me up, which is hmm. a uh, you know a major manufacturer and converter of, of flexible packaging. Yep. And they were looking for somebody in sales at that time, and I said, well, what would what would I be doing? They said, well, you'd be selling bags or film, and I I thought. I have absolutely no interest in the world in doing this because that's akin to like selling pencils. What, there's nothing sexy about it. There's nothing, I mean, if you'd say, well, this might lead to you being an astronaut someday, I I would have loved that. But, and so I turned them down, but they came back another time and I was even poorer. And so I, I joined them and, uh, and it's, it's strange, but, but when I learned what was going on there was like opening the door to the Willy Wonka factory. It's all of a sudden Mm -hmm. this world in the packaging and I see all the different possibilities and things that we're doing behind the consumer curtain, behind what the consumer sees. Yeah. I I haven't looked back. So uh, I was primarily films and then in, um, uh twenty two two thousand eight. Uh, Reynolds called me, and they they wanted me to. They, they asked if I'd be interested in uh, getting involved in closures, and that's how I got involved in Zip nice,
0: enclosures. nice. So, would you say that they closed you on the opportunity?
1: They closed the opportunity, Adam. I think I think <laughs> that's a great way to put it in there. And and we I'm not proud of that. Todd, <laughs> I'm not.
0: To, I'm not proud of that one. But I had. To, I had just had to do it.
1: It's the first time really I've heard anything like that, you know?
0: (laughs) I don't believe that for a second. Uh, I can only imagine your sales and marketing meetings where it's like, now, did we close these guys? It's like, yeah, Frank, uh, we've heard that joke 57 times already. You guys
1: in the back, would you mind zippering it up?
0: Oh man. It's yeah. When we start combining packaging and bad dad jokes, yeah. That's really where I, uh, that's where I shine that cross section, that Venn diagram. Um, that's where I feel like I'm, I, I need to live. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure.
1: I'm looking around as you said that, but I actually got that book, bad dad jokes for Christmas. My, uh, my, one of my daughters gave me that book and I, I was going to show it to you, but I. Didn't know that we would That's fine.
0: I I got one of those flip calendars that you peel off. And so my one from the other day was this. It was actually my favorite. Some of them are really bad. I'm like, that's not even a, that's just a bad joke. But this one was, it was somebody to the effect of like, why do uh, the naval, why do Danish naval ships have barcodes on the side of them? So that when they return, they can Scandinavian
1: Where's my drums? Hey <laughs> oh I can add it. Week. I can add
0: in the boom. <laughs> 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 I'll be I'll in in there.
1: Yep. Uh
0: anyway, we don't we now like everyone's gone. They're like this yes. podcast interview's over. Yeah, We've, they've they
1: they've tuned out. Right? They've
0: tuned us out. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Todd. Um we didn't even get to talk about how cool your stuff is. So uh, but just in case people are still hanging around, um, you know, I do I do want to get into uh you know kind of talking about we we talk a lot about sustainability here and i think that what you guys do has a really uh it's it's not interesting it's it's very functional and and i do want to i want to dig into that uh before that though um you mentioned you have this is the people of packaging so we're going to talk about packaging but um you know where do you live what's your you know family what do you like to do for a hobby if you have uh, I, I try to remind people you have 56 hours on average every week outside of work. Mm-hmm. So don't be just about your work, right? Like have hobbies and things that you like to enjoy. So what, you know, tell me about your family and what's some stuff that you love to do. And then let's talk about some packaging.
1: Well, thanks. So I'm i I'm a Midwesterner, um, lived in a lot of different places, but, uh, I re- I reside in Chicagoland and, uh, uh, right now, I'm, I'm, my wife and I are on the cusp of uh, empty nester. Not, not quite there, but, but you know, we can, we can see it. And, uh, but uh, four children, and uh, they're all in the area as well. And uh, so I guess you know we're kind of at a stage in our life. It's like we're, we're doing things like saying, well should we remodel that room so that we can get ready to sell when we want to downsize or right size or something like that? Yeah. Um, But uh, you know, as far as activities that we're involved with, we we like to travel when we can, obviously we haven't been doing that. Um, Sure. I love the outdoors. Uh, I like hiking and and backpacking and, but I also enjoy uh, reading. I I try to get a, a good book in when I can. Um, and uh, gardening, and then this year, I feel like if for those of you that own Home Depot stock, you're welcome. Uh, because <laughs> you helped. I, I think all the downtime where I wasn't traveling, we were spending our time remodeling something. So
0: got it. Okay, so two questions about that. Uh, number one, uh, what do what's like? It doesn't have to be your favorite book of all time, but what's a book right now that you're just like, I love reading you know, this style or this author or this, you know, what, what's that?
1: So I, 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 I'm a science fiction guy. I'm a suspense or thriller guy. Um, But I've been trying to uh, um, go into different paths because I feel like there's a lot of good books out there that there are missing out on. Um, So actually the one I just started uh, that I'm reading is a, a historical book and it's called uh, Mornings on Horseback.
0: Oh, and that's, that's, I've read that. Um, have you read it? Yeah, that's, uh, is that, uh, gosh, I, this is a long time ago. Is that yeah, Eisenhower?
1: Oh, it's uh, Roosevelt. Theodore. Roosevelt,
0: yeah, it's Roosevelt.
1: And uh, Teddy Roosevelt is, to me, kind of an interesting character in, in politics and in history, just all the different things that he was involved in, and, uh, you know, a bit of a, Obviously, a naturalist on one hand and a hard charger on another and then the leader of a country. And um, and so uh, this book is really about uh, his youth and uh, kind of the formative years of how he became who he is. Yeah. um, But so far, I've really been enjoying it. That's great. And then where's your favorite place to travel? Well, I mean, I haven't been to all of them yet. So I can't come back and say that my favorite is but uh, I would say that I, I, I certainly love Europe. Um, I when I get a chance to go to, uh, uh, you know, Germany or France or uh, last year I was in, for packaging
0: trade shows of course for
1: packaging trade shows of course yeah now if i happen to you know mess up on my airline tickets and stay an extra four or five days here or there stuff
0: happens todd stuff happens things happen so yeah.
1: you know and and so i enjoy that um and then uh you know i as far as in the country in the u.s there's there's something great about every place that i go to visit but uh um, I guess I I find that the the coastal or extreme part areas of the country tend to offer a lot for me. So
0: got it. All right. You know, well, west when, coast,
1: east coast, that kind of thing.
0: When you come to Utah, uh, we can. I'm sure you'd enjoy it here. Yeah, uh, I know I would. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I I'm super fascinated because I recently I've been um, I was explaining to you before we got on the call. Um, I am not, I don't have a background in flexible packaging. Um, you know, I kind of cut my teeth in the folding carton setup, rigid setup box, corrugated some more paper-based packaging. And then I got, I started working for a company that did shrink sleeves and pressure sensitive labels. And, um, and now the company that I'm with, uh, I've been here for a little over a year. So I'm certainly nowhere close to being an expert. Um, it'll take many, many, many years to be there. But, you know, we do flexible films. And um, it's funny because it's I, the, the idea of sustainability with packaging is certainly a topic that is rightly never going to go away. Um, we should always be pressing the envelope and kind of pushing for that. But I get asked more about the sustainability of flexible packaging than any other substrate I've ever worked with, um, and and so I you 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 had mentioned that that's a that's an area of passion for uh you know, is, so I just want to make sure I'm saying the name right. It you work for the brand is FreshLock, the company is Presto.
1: Yeah, so uh, in our in our hierarchy, we're actually part of the uh, Reynolds Consumer Group. Got it. And, uh, and so the majority of our businesses as uh, consumer based products. Um, so think in terms of, uh, the brands of hefty or Reynolds wrap.
0: Got it. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, now our business is uh, a subset of that. And, uh, under Presto products and Presto product does a lot of private label versions of like trash bags, storage bags, those mm-hmm. types of things. Um, and then um, we're a commercial aspect where uh, the zippers and closures that we make are used for our customers who might be doing their own packing, making yep. their own bags, um, and so that's kind of puts us from macro to micro.
0: Got it. Um, well, I know that you had mentioned, you know, that it's that that it's, even when we met at Pack Expo, you know, we kind of I remember we walked through like the different consumer. Um, you know, people uh, that tend to work with flexible packaging. So, yep. um, how you how got the, prevalent you got
1: the personas, right?
0: The personas, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: right. yep.
0: yeah. We did that, and nobody could hear anything because I was I was literally filming it from my iPhone, and the audio was coming through to my microphone on my iPhone. I was like six feet away in the middle of Pack Expo, and Todd's just back there, like. And over here we've got Ted. Ted
1: loves,
0: you just hear like, that's when you said I'm
1: gonna get and that's when you said I'm gonna get some Bluetooth uh, you know uh, yep. earphones and things, but I'll I'll just never get to use them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well now I can't use them because nobody yeah. Yeah. we're not doing these things. Uh hopefully soon. So so sustainability with flexible packaging. Um the the idea like the most overlooked aspect, in my opinion, again, this is a very new to the industry opinion, is the the freshness, uh, specifically when it comes to food and stopping food waste. Um, you know, as, as I've come to learn that food waste is the third largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and so... Having proper ways to keep that food fresh, to keep it out of landfills and to, to have it be consumed is maybe the single greatest like sustainability checkmark for flexible packaging. That's been my, again, very new to the industry, we'll call it naive. Um, you know, I've tried to do some research on it. So um, first of all, am I, is that an aspect that you guys speak to quite a bit with, uh, with your Fresh Lock product?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, that that concept, as you understand it, is a is, you know, for as new as you are as flexible packaging, it's it's very observant. Um, You know, we've we hear some of these statistics that up to 40 percent of our food is wasted Mm -hmm. and we hear things about how we're going to have to put a lot of focus on greenhouse gas reduction. And one of the things that we talk about is that uh, when you think about a farmer in the field, and he and he puts the energy um, into planting a seed, and or or raising an animal, and then all of the number, the money and resource and uh, that he needs in order to be able to foster that to the point where he can then harvest and put it in the marketplace. And then everything that that goes through in those channels. Um, and it it processes the distribution to the grocery store or the restaurant. It gets served up only to have you say, "I really don't feel like any more." Thank you. To dish it into the garbage. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where they're saying it's like there's a lot of energy um, and and resource that is put to what will end up as waste. Now that, that's one path it could take. Um, where flexible packaging can come into that and help is that uh, you know our job in flexible packaging is to try to help contain and preserve uh, a product through that journey. And when we add a closure to it, um, we're we're amplifying that. We're adding a doorway to the product. uh, and, And the primary focus of any closure, going back to a cork for a wine bottle, is to preserve and to contain. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to your point, as I think not only as we move from rigid to flexibles and we see more and more applications doing that, we're reducing materials uh, compared to what we had in rigid. But then when we add closures to things like pouches, we're, we're providing a path to be able to maintain um, what the, the, the freshness or the atmosphere of that package was uh, to protect that product and then to contain it. Um, so that it minimizes waste. Well, I don't
0: work. Um, uh, this is I've never thought about this until you were just talking about. It. So I, I my I love coffee. Um, I mean, like I've been a barista before. I I oh. even learned how to do like latte art for a minute. Um, nice. Yeah, it was kind of fun. So why is it that coffee bags? And it's almost every coffee bag does not contain some sort of zipper or closure other than the little plastic, you know, the the straight plastic bar where I got to fold it up. And then, and it just always destroys my coffee. Like I, my coffee shelf life, I feel like if I don't pour it out, you know, the, the whole beans into some sort of container, if I don't do that, It's like from the time I've opened it, I think I've got like six or seven days till that coffee is no longer like, why don't, why don't people put your, your closures onto coffee bags?
1: Yeah, well, I, I, more and more people are, are asking us those questions, including from the coffee industry. And as I think, as we, we start to transform uh, using sustainability, saying you know, so a coffee company says, "Boy, I, you know, I've got this package here, and it's worked for many years, but I, but it's not sustainable. I can't recycle it, can't compost it. You know, I've got to look at at doing something different." And I think as they embrace that change, then it it'll make sense for them to start saying, "Is is our current method the best method to use? Mm-hmm. Or while we're changing this, should we go ahead and advance to a closure?" right now, I think the average coffee bag, it might be in, it's going to be a high barrier bag, mm-hmm. um, you know, foil or metallized or something. And generally, a lot of times you see these tin ties. We
0: call Yeah, them. that's what it is. Those... It's an adhesive
1: on one side, adhere to the package, and then you fold it down. The intent is that as you fold, because the consumer likes that squared off package. You know, that's the way it's been made in a long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these coffee companies out there, that's how their packaging room looks. It's set up to make that bag. So it's a major investment. It's not a quick change in order to go. Right. Right. But now they're saying, you know what, um, we got to get rid of these multi materials because even though we're in flexibles, we're not, we're not doing it as well as we could. And, and I think that's where those conversations are emerging. So interesting.
0: And and you guys have so your closures. So I know that there's like the in-store recycle ready and the compostable films. Uh, you make do you make compatible closures for those particular instances and in those materials?
1: Yeah, I mean, so you think about as a consumer, you think about um, you know when you come across a zipper or a slider on a bag in a store, and you go, yeah, it's got a zipper or a slider. We actually have about 75 active products in within that, um, and and you're like, wow, I, I just don't see that much variation. But it, it depends on the application, the equipment mm-hmm. it's running on, and and what the needs are, and um, so I I feel like as as we continue to go evolve. From um, you know where we were, and then take the sustainable journey. You're going to see that more people are going to pull from that portfolio, so that it better aligns with their package. One example is that you know the majority of our portfolio has been recyclable for 30 years, hmm. but when a customer seals it into a multi-material, you know welds it into a bag, it's no longer yeah you know, make that journey. So um, our challenge is today is that customers are coming to us say, okay, we've got a film that's fully recyclable, but it's tough to machine because we're taking away some things. What can you do on the zipper end? So a lot of the time we spend now is focusing on, on what my favorite term in sustainability is, and that's collaboration and and working with the the brand or the, 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 the OEM, the machine guy, and then the, the feedstock suppliers to say, okay, here's what we want to do. You need to tweak here, you need to tweak here in order for us to do it. And we're starting to find more and more success. But it, it's not necessarily what it looks like now is not necessarily what we thought it would look like 10 years ago.
0: Right. So That's, uh, that's, uh, that's called the vanilla ice principle, where you stop, you collaborate, and you listen. Uh, if you're familiar <laughs> that's with uh, it. that's it,
1: yeah, the classic,
0: no, the classic.
1: It. I even really of Barry Manilow earlier, so uh you're. That was more for
0: my mom because I'm pretty sure that my mom listens to my podcast. I don't really know any Barry Manilow songs. I really oh. love rap music, hip hop music. So oh, uh, I do, yeah, I do. um Cool, and, and so um kind of wrapping up the the sustainability portion of this, so you know as flexible packaging is not going anywhere it's the the product market within the 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 space of packaging uh from the latest data i think i saw is is sort of the fastest growing uh market is flexible films mm-hmm. because of the inherent sustainability just in the fact that you know if you take something that was in a you know, a big giant tub, let's say it's a powder and, you know, you can fit whatever it is, 50,000 of these things in a truck. And now you can fit whatever the number, you know, 5 million of these pouches in the same truck and get it to the same spot. And so there's, there's inherently a lot of sustainability, even though the end life is tough. And that's what the consumers feel. I, I, you know, a full life cycle analysis of, flexible packaging when it comes to, you know, keeping food fresh. And I certainly think that the closure is a big part. Like we have five kids, we are constantly having to reuse food and to not have the ability to quickly and conveniently seal something and keep that food fresh. If we couldn't do that, it ends up in the garbage, uh, which is, you know, causing, you know, not only has the energy already been used, but when we use that, that energy to not feed people, which, was, which is why the food was created in the first place, mm-hmm. we're just creating problems, so um, you know I, I think that it's going to continue to grow what, what of this market segment do you see um, from your guys's perspective being the area of growth, like we've talked before the call about like CRC um, child resistant closures. Is it uh, the sustainable, you know, closures in terms of end of life sustainability uh, with monomaterials and compostability, or um, is that kind of tough to gauge right now?
1: Uh, no, I mean we we you never know how, how what your what strength or where the attention is getting now what that might evolve to, right? But right. Um, the, the areas that, uh, you know, we put a lot of our energy behind our, our child resistance, um, because, you know, with flexible packaging, we're trying to do things that you could get in a rigid package. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we've, we've been very successful as an industry at, at obtaining a lot of those things. But, um, you know, when, until we came out with our child guard, child resistant slider, and that was, we launched that in 2014, uh, that became the first way to commercially lock a bag, uh, a, a commercial pouch. And so that has opened doors to brand managers and product managers to now look at new options on the shelf in many, many markets. Everything from household cleaners, products that are, are regulated, Mm-hmm. That have to have special packaging or child-resistant closures, and uh, and that could be like household cleaners, pool chemical, agrochemical, uh, pesticides. You know, um, you yeah, know, pharmaceuticals, nutraceuticals. It just keeps going. So it's it's really opened up a whole new category. Um, but I feel like uh, when it comes to to the general closures, the way we've evolved and the way we're going to go is that child resistance, uh, e-commerce, mm. and sustainability are the the primary areas that uh, we all have to be be looking at.
0: I I totally agree, and I I think the data is really supporting that. And that's not like the the COVID pandemic has not shifted like it didn't it. All it did was just accelerate trends that I think were already brewing. You know, it's not like e-commerce just came out of nowhere, you know, like, oh, what's this Amazon company? I've never heard of them until COVID hit. Like, clearly we were already getting comfortable. I think it just probably has accelerated and quite frankly, stressed a lot of supply chains um, in in the middle of doing that. But um, yeah, I, I... Totally agree. I don't see it going anywhere. And just based on the the limited requests that I get for, um, you know, things like child resistance uh, and sustainability, and then even e-commerce, because what, what a lot of people I don't think realize is that a lot of these big brands that we're so familiar with had zero direct to consumer strategy prior to COVID. They knew they had to get there eventually But, you know, you've got big, massive companies like multi-billion dollar, multinational corporations who are like, we don't know how to take an order. Like somebody couldn't just go order a product and then it gets shipped to them because they're so used through to the distribution channels that have been set up for decades. Um, So they're, you know, but that was a good I think that was a good pressure right on the system because it's it's creating these uh, these new innovations, I think, which will keep coming out.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I agree a thousand percent. It's, uh, you know, we knew we were on a growth track, especially with the e-commerce space. Um, and I think that by 2022, we had, you know, certain dollar estimates, but, but COVID did exactly what you're saying. It accelerated that. It forced us to take a look at it sooner. And I think something else that happened is that part of this is consumer acceptance. You know, mm-hmm. It's like my my wife goes to the grocery store because, by golly, that's, that's how she does it. That's how she's always done it. That's how she grew up. And, and you can physically look and shop and, and choose things. Um, and, uh, and then COVID hits. And, and now we're online trying to see if we can't make an entire grocery order that we can pick up. So now that means that, that we are forcibly trying to change from a, a brick and mortar direct marketing thing to an omni-channel. Mm-hmm. Where where we're ordering online, utilizing e-commerce, but then you know it's being grabbed off the shelves at the store. Yep. And uh, and I think a lot of people did that that very same thing, and they said, you know what, that actually worked out pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, after COVID, you know, when when we get back to our whatever that new normal will be, fingers um, crossed. fingers crossed uh you know my guess is that a lot of people are going to say hey i'm i'm well on my way into to repeat orders like this so yep i think i think we're going to accelerate yep
0: yeah i i couldn't couldn't agree more um well todd we're kind of here at the end of the interview so it goes fast uh these, these things i know we've been uh it's been 33 minutes i believe so uh time flies when you're talking about packaging and uh covid it doesn't fly when you're talking about covid time's <laughs> like yeah. time has taken on a whole new meaning for me uh yeah. the last well, when, you, when you're in months. packaging
1: uh you find that uh you can kind of get carried away talking about the topic it's it is addictive
0: right it so, is yeah I, it turns out i have this whole podcast about- <laughs> see?
1: See? and by the way i like to to me for this i think it's a great idea you know when i started listening to podcasts off of itunes I thought that'd be kind of cool to someday have a packaging one. Nah, it'll never happen.
0: Never happen. It'll yeah. never happen. So. You know what struck me? And I've said this before on the, on the podcast. So what struck me is cause I, I, I love listening to podcasts. I read a lot and I like listening to podcasts. So that's kind of how I consume um, media. I'm not on, outside, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post every day, but um, I don't hardly post anything on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. I don't really do anything with those. Um, And I I tend to consume my media through like traditional, like newspaper, like local news, uh, international news, and then podcasts. And I realized that I had three podcasts that I listened to regularly about the Denver Nugget basketball team. Three. Oh. About a single basketball team in one sport. And I thought, surely. Surely there is a podcast about a trillion-dollar global industry, and at the time that we started it, which is now about three years ago, two and a half years ago, that answer was no. There was not an active packaging podcast. Now, since then, uh, there there have been some that have started, and I'm super grateful to have helped start some of those. So I don't host them, but um, you know, it's not like we're in competition or anything. Well, so, take a moment.
1: Where would you like to see it go from here?
0: Um, I don't really have much of a vision outside of continuing to share people's stories and, um, you know, kind of elevate and uplift other people and elevate and uplift, uh, you know, their story and their companies and what, what folks are doing. Uh, That's always been the the goal from the outset for both Ted and myself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we'll just keep doing, there's a lot of really cool and awesome people in the packaging industry. So we're never with, we're never without topics or subjects or people to talk with. Um, now whether or not, you know, somebody wants to start, like, I think there's room for like a sustainability podcast. I think there's room for more specific podcasts about, you know, like we didn't really talk anything technical about, you know, closures. And, um, I would have, I wouldn't even know where to go with that. Um, I'm sure you do. I'm sure there are plenty of folks who want to know about that. And most of them probably graduated from Michigan state. Um, I just don't know. My, my idea has always been, um, I have, I have a genuine love of people. Um, I get to travel. I've been able to speak all around the world. Um, I love learning about different cultures and because of that sort of inherent curiosity, uh, this has become a real, a real passion and joy of mine. It's just to talk to people and get to hear their stories, and then broadcast it out to anywhere from four to six hundred people who will download and listen to this episode. So um, it's cool to watch those metrics, and I would love to see that get up to you know a thousand people per episode are listening. Because not because I want to be or Ted wants to be like some massive, huge packaging celebrity, whatever that's supposed to mean. But because it means that your story is being heard by more and more people, what you guys do, you know, what if like for this episode, it would be awesome if somebody just went, I never thought about like closures when it comes to sustainability and stopping food waste. That's interesting. And then they go back to their to their packaging engineering team and they say, have we ever have we ever taken a look at at this like. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know. I I would hope that that conversation could happen though.
1: I absolutely, I think it will. I also think that as you continue on, you're finding that you're building quite a library here of, um, of, of information and resource, um, whether people want to find out about people from different companies or just learn about a topic, uh, you know, it's, there's all of a sudden a a podcast venue to do that. So I think that's, that's, yeah,
0: Yeah, that's been, um, it's been awesome it's it's sincerely it's one of the uh you know kind of outside of my full-time job just things that I enjoy doing I love doing this the podcast I uh, coach basketball I love hanging out with my family uh, I love writing poetry and watching and playing basketball so
1: oh, well um, and reading
0: I read I read quite a bit just like you so.
1: Yeah, no that's great. It's it's good for us. Um but uh you know if anything comes up on the packaging front or zippers or closures for you or your audience uh we're we're always receptive to uh having the discussion.
0: How do people connect with the one and the only Todd? And you know what? I'm going to butcher your last name. Is it Musling?
1: Uh it's uh, Moisling. It Moisling. looks like Moisling, so you you didn't butcher it. You're like most people that uh, that's how you would tend to it but but phonetically it would be like m-o-y-s-l-i-n-g moistling
0: okay so what is the etymology or the etymology is that the right thing what's what's the uh the so e- i've been told the ethnic background of your name it's,
1: it's very german uh in fact when i go to german it's refreshing because nobody gets it wrong oh they all, they all say it correctly and um uh but uh that would I be correct
0: right? yeah i I, ne- I didn't because the two s's would have the the umlaut or not the umlaut yeah. the uh looks like a B. Bee. It's been 20 years since I've taken a German class.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then the EU is more of like a Sigmund Freud EU sound. So it's that OI sound that they get from Yeah,
0: it. yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. So uh, so how do people get in touch with Todd Moisling? And they want to say, sehr uh, gut, Todd Moisling.
1: Zer gut. So gut. Uh, I think the, the easiest way would be uh, they could visit the website, uh, www.freshlock.com. And there's a hyphen in between fresh and log. Okay. CK. And um, L-O-C-K, yep. And And then um, from there, uh, that'll go in through marketing. And depending if it's a question that I can help with or a discussion I can help with, I'd be happy to follow up. Uh, And then um, I have an email directly, too, but it's long and complicated. So I think that's probably the easiest way to start.
0: Got it. And they can find you on the LinkedIn with your cool banner. By that, all uh, means.
1: Reach out to me, say hi, LinkedIn. You know, what I also I, the other thing I tell people is uh, I haven't done it in a while because we haven't had a trade show in a while, but if I'm connected with you on LinkedIn and we're at a trade show and you're at a trade show, come and say hi to me. You know, I, I it's more than just, you know, a connection on a, on a social media. It's also, you know, Hey, we're connected. Let's, let's chat. About yeah.
0: Things. Bring it in, bring it into the real life. Yeah. Uh, I didn't tell you this either, but one time I, I did, write a, uh, a hip hop song. And, uh, I did, I've done a couple and, uh, Have I heard any. Of, dear goodness. No, <laughs> you're fu- You're better off. You're better off having not heard it. Uh, but one of the lines was, um, uh, I've got to keep my thoughts fresh, uh, like a ziplock is what I said, but like it sh- I could revise it to, I got to keep my rhymes fresh with this fresh lock. Right. And then we'll, uh, we can we can take that and and you got you your marketing department can run with it you can have uh the world's most uh mediocre hip hop artist from utah I feel uh, like
1: we're coming back full circle now we're starting out with these these puns where we where we started the conversation so it, but i would be right it'd be like i feel like we need to come up with that fresh lock it up uh, um mm. am i anywhere close
0: um no Sorry. (laughs) That's not, that's not going to work. Uh, we'll, we'll play around with it. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out, but, uh, Todd, it's been awesome. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing some rad stuff and being a cool person to get to talk to and, uh, appreciate, appreciate being on the podcast.
1: Adam, all the best. All right. Thanks. Thank you.